What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Proper Tools Podcast, the only podcast where you listen to a couple of tools just sitting around and talking shop, usually. I'm Jake. My wife asked me why the bottle of wine we bought yesterday was half empty. I said it's just because she's a pessimist. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. Welcome to episode 21, and that means this is a Fibonacci episode. I won't get to say that again until episode 34. And I think everyone's thankful for it. <laughs> I know I am. Really? <laughs> Can't they think of better jokes than this episode's a Fibonacci episode? <laughs> have every episode's a Fibonacci episode. We're going to rename this to the Proper Jokes Toolcast. Proper Jokes proper, Podcast. Something. Proper Jokes Tool Podcast thing? Yeah. All right. So, man, what's been going on? It's been a little while. Yes, it has. Um, so I mean, I, I feel like it's of... always been a little while. I know. <laughs> we, like, we, record, we record these like every one to five weeks, everyone, so that's kind of we kind of get all over the place so yep i was out of town last week so which would have been a normal recording week i think yeah um and then i don't know it just felt super busy super crazy <laughs> yeah you? uh same i mean i didn't i wasn't away last week <laughs> on vacation with you but uh now it's been crazy busy um spinning up a new youtube channel with my brother um so we were kind of doing a final push to get everything set up for that the same time i was trying to get another one of my videos out <laughs> so that finally launched today and so it's just been been craziness so finally that's kind of behind me and i can start looking forward new new stuff good good very cool so i have uh one of my shorts is being throttled by uh the nice algorithm so i don't you know it's continues to be a mystery why videos get pushed and why others don't um <laughs> So that's been interesting. I've had a huge amount of somewhat trolling and also just some genuine questions and everything. So it's been <laughs> it's been kind of fun to keep up with and sometimes that's not so awesome. fun. That's what I so, loved about TikTok, actually. Like when I first started on TikTok, mm -hmm. um, it was super fun because some of my videos kind of like got bigger and the people on TikTok were I mean, just brutal. But it was so brutal. It was actually fun. Like it wasn't like people saying mean things and hurting my feelings. It was so mean that it was like, this is great. Keep it up, guys. Yeah. So this is the video where I demonstrate, or it looks like I'm about to ram some T-Track through my saw stop. And, right. Right. But I, of course I don't do it. And I, you know, demo how you can, you can test materials before, um, if you, you know, if you're not sure, like, what well, will this aluminum really start it off? Well, let, let's test it in the, in a safe mode without the blade spinning. And, uh, you know, the idea you can do that with, with moist wood or, you know, whatever else. Um, so anyways, the, like the very last line of that short, you know, is basically, um, so in order to cut aluminum T-track, you need to disable the safety feature or my advice, just use a handsaw. And, oh my goodness. I want you to I want you to just take a guess. What do you think um people who disagree with my advice what they what the most common suggestion has been so far in order to be able to cut T-track but not turn off the uh, safety feature? What do you think it is? Oh man. Um I, I don't know. How <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to me. Like what else would you do? Yeah, you ready for this? Okay. Wear gloves. I almost said that. I was like what if you insulated your <laughs> yeah but i don't know that wouldn't work though would it i don't think so because the because it's grounding through the blade to the probably the tabletop of the mm -hmm. saw not through your hands nothing to do with you yeah i just got a new one on my phone rubber gloves amigo but <laughs> um if you look closely well maybe you can't tell exactly but anyways the the t-track it looks almost powder coated it's not anodized mm -hmm. so and I even demo in the video, like, look, if you touch the painted surface to it, it doesn't set off the alarm. Right. So <laughs> rubber gloves aren't going to do anything for you there. Exactly. I'm already insulated from it. So one, rubber gloves isn't going to change that. And two, like I thought not wearing gloves with power tools as a safety tip, I thought that was more widely known, but apparently not. Like hundreds and hundreds of people are like, just wear gloves. I'm like, are you crazy? Why would I wear gloves <laughs> right. with a, uh, you know, with a power tool like that? Well, clearly these people, they probably don't even, I mean, they probably don't have a table saw, much less a saw stop. So, I mean, they, they don't even know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Which that actually raises a sl- small question then, which I hadn't really thought about. If you if you are not touching the table or the saw in any way, and you're wearing rubber shoes and you touch the blade, will that set it off? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely doing a follow up video where I'm going to test all these things. Um, I think that it will still trigger it because if I remember correctly, when I'm well, I don't know because my my forearm probably was touching the cast iron top when I when I touched I the yeah. Now that it. I say that out loud, I don't know if it's like completing a circuit through the blade to the tabletop or if it's like sensing capacitance through the blade, which would be from you, but such a I don't know. I know, and I've read how it works on the on the Sawstop website. They don't go into too deep of a detail. You know, it's all high level. They're like, go read the patents if you really want to. Exactly. Know. Good but luck. I, I don't think wearing gloves will change a thing. And I think that if I, you know, put something metal and I touch the blade and then let go of everything, walk away, I think it's still going to be sensing it. Because I think it's, I don't know if it senses a, a voltage strap. I don't know if that's the proper terminology, but I think, I think the circuit is always closed, at least among, I don't know, maybe not. How would that work? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think it has Today nothing to do with yeah. two guys trying to figure out how saw stops work. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about how saw stops work. <laughs> Believe it or not, we have no idea. Uh mainly magic, a lot of magic. Yes. And a little bit of science thrown in there. But I, and I a little bit of faith, because you really just gotta hope it works for real when it matters. Mm-hmm. The trifecta. Um hang on, I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> All right, well, blade. you're looking up how SawStop works. Yeah, I got it. The blade carries okay. a small electrical signal. When skin contacts the blade, the signal changes because the human body is conductive. The change to the signal activates the system. See, that's what I mean. There's, I think there's already a charge or something on the blade. Okay. So when you touch it, what does that do? Does that cause, I don't know, a rise in resistance? Does that, does that cause a, cause a, a ground? Well, your body can, I mean, you don't have to, I think, I could be wrong. I'm not an engineer. I wouldn't know. Um, but your body can carry, different things can carry a charge. So like your body could carry additional charge, I think. So if the blade is slightly charged, then that would draw into you, even though, even if, even if you're not grounded like to earth, you could still reduce, like transfer some of that energy to you, just like a shock. You know, if you're walking around and you touch a piece of metal and it shocks you, that's charge moving from one one side to another. So it could be like it's kind of a similar thing. Right. And that that's what I meant by voltage drop. I know. Yeah. I remember that term from, you know, my dad was an electrical engineer. And I remember hearing that talked about when I worked at his company with the devices they were making. Um, so I know detecting a voltage drop is a thing, but I don't know if that's what's happening here. You know what annoys uh, electrical engineers the most? <laughs> people like when us. Someone, when <laughs> people like us, when we're like, hey, I know there's this thing called voltage drop. Can you just measure <laughs> that? <laughs> I think that's the case with any kind of design and engineering. Yeah, probably. I, we work with uh, contractors to do our electrical engineering for some of our products with circuit boards and stuff. And I'm sure they just, hate listening to me because i'm like i i know enough (laughs) to like sound like i know what i'm talking about to people who don't actually know anything (laughs) but when it comes to these guys they're probably like yes we can sense voltage drop but it's like not easy (laughs) quit talking about it like it's easy jake yeah well that's when you say look i have electrical type and i know how to use it i know what i'm talking about can you just fix it in software just <laughs> yeah. Add another resistor. Write another program. Come on. I'm sure that it, gets thrown around in movies too. Like, can't, can't you just fix that in post? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yep, exactly. They're like, no, please. Can we reshoot? Reshoot. Uh, uh, well, that's cool. Trolls are fun. They are. And it, the, um, other, the other comment is well, or a bandsaw or this or that and like i just happened to have a rip blade in there when i was filming it uh-huh. so there's a million people that are like like that is a horrible blade for cutting aluminum don't ever do that <laughs> i'm like i know i did it, <laughs> it did was just for filming. like clearly <laughs> wow people are awesome yes love it 
Yeah, speaking of trolls, um, I posted a video today and um, I got a like a bot comment. And those are fun. For, for, yeah, just just a random bot. And it, it's super hilarious because the the first comment was just some random bot that's got like a normal name and a picture and everything and one subscribers. But they wrote, I'm so happy. My life has totally changed. I've been earning $10,250 in returns from my $4,000 investment every 13 days. And I actually saw like only part of that clipped in my studio. And I was like, wow, that's he's so happy. His life changed because of my video. That's awesome. You know, and then saw the rest of it. I'm like, great, a bot. Well, for the past three hours, these bots have been commenting on that bot's post and they're all referencing the same channel or the same guy. They're not tagging a channel, but they're tagging each other. So there's probably like 10 bots now and YouTube's been hiding them. So I don't know if you'll be able to see them, but um, a guy or a bot replied to that first comment like, oh yeah, I'm getting the same profits off of my investment and it's because of this guy. And then the bot responds to that guy and he's like, oh yeah, me too. That guy is great. He's got great investing advice. It just goes on. And they're all just talking about this guy named Mr. Barry Silbert. And every single one references Mr. Barry Silbert. <laughs> so you've got bots talking to each other about yep. this Mr. Silbert? Yep. Yep. And it just Isn't... keeps going. They're like, oh, yeah, I know Barry. He's great. He's a great investor. I, I earned $10,000 on my return. <laughs> Isn't this what they call the singularity or something? Something like that. I think the world's about to end. That's what these bots get far enough. They're going to be like, wait a minute. We're all talking about the same thing. <laughs> like We're selling our own. We're selling scams to ourselves now. <laughs> the humans are getting in the way. Yeah. Humans took too long. Humans spent too much time. Like we wasted too much time calling humans. They'd hang up on us and stuff. So we just call bots now. They're <laughs> much more responsive. <laughs> Therefore, humans are inefficient and must be eliminated from the system. Yep, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Do you ever use the uh, the Google uh, call screener assistant thing? Um, no, actually. Um, have you? Yeah, I, I use it all the time. If it's not someone that, that I know, it's mm -hmm. just a random number, I always hit it now because it's always a whatever, you know, trying to extend my car warranty. Um I've never but, gotten that call. Really? <laughs> you must be the only one. <laughs> I think I've gotten it in multiple languages, actually. I got an argument with a lady who called me about my car warranty. Oh, I never get an actual person. It's just a recording. Yeah, no, I got an actual person. It threw me off. I don't think I even meant to answer it. I just I had my headphones in and I hit something and it answered. And she started talking and I was like, no, I'm not interested. And she's like, oh, but you're going to... You, you really should do this because like, what if your car breaks? And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll go get it fixed and I'll pay money. <laughs> She's like, but what if it's like a lot of money? <laughs> like, well, I'll either pay a lot of money or I won't get it fixed. She's like, well, what if it's a lot of money, like more than you have and you need your car? Like, well, I, I don't have a good answer for that one, but I don't think I'll get my car fixed. I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and she just kept getting mad at me, like angry that I would dare like not get a warranty. It was it was a very weird argument. Like it turned from being mad at me for not buying the warranty to being mad at me for not like protecting myself from potentially having to pay money to someone, <laughs> which whatever. It was super weird. Oh, man. Anyways, moving on. Moving um, on. Yeah, I finally built something with that maker pipe. Sweet. It, that stuff is, is pretty cool. I feel like my video kind of uh, came across a little bit like like an advertisement after I watched it a few times. Okay. I didn't mean for that to happen, but uh, it's actually really interesting stuff. I think it has some very, um, very interesting use cases in the shop. It's certainly not good for everything, but um, yeah, if you need like a cart or some custom shelving or you don't have a lot of tools... It's a great option for, for building stuff, for sure. So you said it was really rigid once you got it put together. I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, so I'm glad to hear that because I, I wasn't sure, like, how rigid would it be once you have, you know, a cube or a rectangle put together? But you, you were like, impressed? It's rock solid. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't, I just built the bot or basically, yeah, a cube, basically just a cube. Um, no like diagonal cross members or anything like that. And it doesn't rack, it doesn't twist. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty sturdy stuff. So that was awesome. I tried to mute because I had to move my little spit screen and I ended up raising my hand instead. So I know when Sean clicks that button, it bounces the, the video window up and down, like, <laughs> like as if the little hand turning a different color wasn't obvious enough. They're like, it, it's so there's raising your hand and there's jumping up and down, waving your arms back and forth, screaming. Oh, me. is that the button I pressed? Yeah. I think that's kind of what Zencaster thinks raising hands means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's far less aggressive than that. You just yeah. dial it I've... back guys. Dial it back. I fixed my mic and look back at the screen and I see this big flashing thing. Sean has a question. I'm like, what? I, no, I don't. I <laughs> Who's do. Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Who let that guy in here? Uh, <clears throat> um, anyways, uh, yeah, that stuff is like rock solid. Once you crank those fittings down really tight, um, yeah, they grab. They've got little like rubber pieces inside of them, so they really grab the conduit and don't twist. Okay. Um, I did have a f- did have one. Uh, it was a 90 degree fitting. Those ones to me, I think are maybe the, the troublemakers because the way they're formed, they're not 90 degrees. They're greater than 90 degrees, but as you tighten them, they collapse to 90 and you have to deflect all that metal. And so one of the nuts did start to strip, um, but not the okay. nut. I don't know. No one will know this unless you've used maker pipe, but the, there's a nut and it fits into a, like a, little slot and that slot in the thing is what stripped out. But I know that doesn't mean anything to anyone, but mm, okay. uh, it's just, uh, has to do with their processes. So, okay. um, and that's just cause I had to crank it down so tight to get the one to kind of come into shape. And, but other than that stuff, it went together really well. Uh, that almost isn't really a big deal cause it worked. What if you don't want to do a 90 degree angle or a standard angle? Like can, are the, the fittings, can you bend them or whatever? Well, um, if you got the same kit that I did, there is some adjustable angle pieces. So they make oh, okay. they make T's, uh, 90s, and then like T's can be any angle, like as long as the two pieces are 90, but you could rotate mm-hmm. 360. Um, that makes sense. Then there's some 45 degree fittings. And then there's another fitting that looks just like the 45, which is basically a T that's bent but it can pivot. It's got another pivot point in there. So you can rotate that to any other angle. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't use any of those. I just used the T's in the 90s, but uh, I'll be putting together an upgrade to my cart that I finished two days ago. Uh, hope maybe this weekend I need to add a, another shelf. So for that, I'll probably use the 45s and make a shelf for my computer. Okay. So for the little clips you 3D printed for the, the panels? Yeah. So did you, did you design that yourself or did you find that someone already make it or what? Uh, I designed those myself. Nice. Yeah. That was something I was thinking really, really hard about, probably way too hard. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I came up with some designs, 3d printed about six or seven iterations of it. Um, and then finally used them and they worked great. Cool. Yeah. Actually, It looks like it. I mean, the video looks like they just snap right on and you're good to go. Yeah. I, I really didn't think they'd work that well. Like I, again, this is, this is great, great audio content, but <laughs> the clip portion that grabbed the side panel. So I used eighth inch hardboard mm-hmm. to flesh out my, my uh, cart. Um, I thought that the clip would have to snap onto that hardboard and then put a fastener through because I figured the hardboard might sag just hardboard is garbage material. And mm. Um, so I figured I'd have to like basically put a pin through the clip to really grab it. And that does not seem to be the case. I mean, we'll see what it looks like at the end of the summer, you know, after it's been humid a little bit, maybe it'll sag. Um, but so far, like initial testing with just four clips, it locked it right in there and you could add more clips as many as you needed to really lock it in. So that turned out pretty great. Okay. Do you, so, you know, I don't know anything about 3d printing, like like you do. Um, 
did you have to consider a certain filament for that? Like one that might be, so the clip has to be a little bit pliable to snap over the conduit. So is there some filament that's like rock yeah. hard and you wouldn't be able to do that? Well, there is. Um, so I used PLA plus, which is a, actually, I don't know what it is. Um, it's some <laughs> sort of, uh, let's start, it's a PLA, start but it's, it's got something yeah. extra in it. Yeah. Most, um, most people 3D printing are familiar with PLA, which is polylactic acid uh, made from like cornstarch or something. And it's a very stiff material very, and also kind of brittle. And it's great for printing because it has a low melt temperature and that allows you to um, uh, cool it very quickly because if your temperature for melting it is really low, then ambient is not far much below that, so you can cool it very quickly, which means you can get really good detail. Uh, PLA plus, um, there's all different mixtures of that stuff, but a lot of it I think is PLA plus some acrylic, mm -hmm. which is a softer material, but still low melt temp. So you get all the benefits of PLA, but instead of the part shattering, it just kind of breaks. <laughs> okay. Just kind of mushes or something. Um, now the stuff I used is seems to me like it's basically PLA. I, I I haven't ever used this particular brand before, so I think regular PLA would work for these clips. Um, they're not really under a lot of stress, right? But if you wanted something stronger, you'd go for PLA plus or tough PLA. Okay. I do a lot of three D printing, especially lately. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. I've got a, a I'm three D printing a a ball valve for my dust collection system. Oh, cool. And that I did not design, but I found it on Thingiverse, and, which is still a thing. And it's just this ginormous ball valve, but for, for dust collecting, I think um, Woodpeckers, I think Woodpeckers makes one now, a ball valve for dust collection. Mm -hmm. But it's Woodpecker price, so it's probably like $100 each fitting. And so I'll print them for, I don't know. 99 99. <laughs> no, it's probably only like 10 bucks in material. Okay. Depending on where you get your material. So I'm doing that. Obviously, all these clips printed a bunch of those. Uh, we got a new printer at work, which is pretty freaking sweet. It's a Form Labs mm -hmm. resin printer. Now I want to add one of those to my home collection because that thing is <laughs> boss. The detail is just amazing. So because it's resin, does that mean it doesn't have to do the little support structures when it prints something? It, it does do support structures, um, but they're easier to break off. Mm -hmm. They're only touching the model um, in very uh, particular points. And the points are only half a millimeter in diameter or smaller. So they're very easy to clip off. But you can print at like 0 0.05 millimeter layer heights and you don't even see the layers at all because the resin kind of like hardens in, inside those layers. So smooths itself, basically. Okay, very nice. I was at a, a tech conference a couple of years ago, and there was a, um, there's a local company here not far from where I live that does industrial 3D printing. Uh -huh. And they had, you know, a whole table full of their, you know, objects and things that just to demo their capabilities. And there was one, <clears throat> it was basically the front end of an RC car. So it looked okay. like a buggy. So it had um, the, I guess the struts, I don't know what you call it, but it was basically like if you'd taken the the wheels off. So that right. whole mechanism and then um, a, a coil spring shock absorber and, you know, basically the very front of the car where that would mount onto. So two of those, right? right? Gotcha. Left and right wheel. And I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm manipulating it, like moving the suspension up and down. And, and the guy's like, yeah, that's that printer is amazing. He's like, it, that's, that is exactly how it came out of the device was uh -huh. fully operational. And I was like, no way. And, and, but this one, it was, um, if I remember correctly, it's some kind of, um, almost like dust. Yeah. But do you, do you familiar with this? It's like, a, yeah. um, I, I don't know if he uses UV to cure it or whatever, but it, it's, he basically said, you take it out, shake off the lasers dust and it's ready. Yeah, lasers. So that's um, probably um, SLS, Selective Laser Sintering. Okay. And what they do is they have typically nylon material, I think is the most common material for that process. And it's a super fine dust. And then layer by layer, they use a laser 
to center the the nylon dust particles together. And sintering mm-hmm. is it's not melting, but it's almost melting. It's like okay. taking it's taking a, a material right to its melting point without liquefying it. If that kind of makes sense, so that way it, it maintains its shape. So if you were to have a bunch of spheres and you heat them up to that temperature, they don't turn into flat puddles. Okay, they just kind of touch because they're touching. They just turn into one giant sphere. That makes sense. So yeah. everyone's talking about lasers these days. Now, now, what is a laser? Because I I hear it all the time. Uh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> forgot what it stands for. Isn't it an acronym or something? Yes, it is. Um, I think radiation is the R, which makes it extra fun. Light amplification, something, something, radiation. Uh, man, because good, good podcasting. Here we, yep. This is what it sounds like when two people are Googling something. <laughs> In case everyone was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Good job, Sean. <laughs> That always sound like tools. <laughs> like, dang it! Oh, I got to talk about lasers. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Thank right. you, Wikipedia, as usual. So, cool. in all your videos, know. that that's how you need to start saying it. Is I'm going to use the light amplification by stimulating emission of radiation to put my logo on this piece of uh, vinyl. Yeah, and then you watch your retention. Just plummet. You're like, can can it go negative? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can you have more people quit? People quit the <laughs> video so early that you actually that YouTube charges you. Uh, <laughs> YouTube says we were going to run an ad. We're going to need that spot back when you when you get your. Uh, um, your invoice or whatever for AdSense, it says, you know, you know, minus that that video where he said that stupid joke (laughs) amount due Hmm. negative $100. So, uh, I'm curious, why hasn't anyone tried to sponsor this podcast yet? Huh? I don't know. Um, you know, I've reached out to all, all the big names, Home Depot, Lowe's, I I, even Menards. And I know they don't even count, but I figured if anyone, no? I figured at least Menards would want in, but nope, they weren't even interested. Did they say no, or did they just ignore you? They just ignored me. Oh, well. Yeah, totally ghosted. If there's a no, you know there's at least a chance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I was at Menards um, picking up that hardboard for my my laser cart project, and they had a like a damaged plywood rack so it's all this plywood that just i don't know got hit by a truck or fell off the truck more likely yeah um, and it was messed up but there's a piece of hardboard in there and i was like oh this would be perfect for what i want hardboard is 13 dollars. i bet they'd give this to me for like half price because menards is i mean they're bottom of the barrel man <laughs> and so i hauled this four by eight foot sheet up to the register and I told her, and she's like, oh, yeah, that'll be discounted for sure. And so we scanned it, and we waited for the manager to come over, and the manager comes over, and she's like, yep, um, we'll give you 10% off. Oh, my goodness. It's like, uh, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> you <laughs> like, take it back. <laughs> there's more than 10% missing. Oh, no. <laughs> she's like, sorry, that's that's all we're offering on that stuff. Well, how? Who buys this for that price? That's crazy. They, uh, who was it? I think it was Lowe's did that to me because I, I bought a three pack of ratchets and one of them was missing. And they're like, we can oh, give you 10%. Yeah. I'm like, 33% missing. <laughs> I don't um, understand that. You'd think the manager for that department or whatever could just say, you know what? Just get it out of here. Well, I figured something out. I don't know if this will always work, but I, um, some I was there with my brother-in-law. We just ran in for something really quick, and then I'm like, "Let me just let me just check the wood real quick." And there just happened to be this piece of poplar. I know poplar is like pink red wood, but anyways, the very end was really really figured. And I thought, okay, I can probably book match this and make a really cool lid for a box or something. It almost looked like um, Yoda's face, like <laughs> ears and everything. Uh-huh. So 
we're it's a busy Saturday. I'm trying to find, you know, the dude you're talking about, the lumber manager. And everyone's busy. I can't we can't find anything. So finally we end up over where I think it was like the the little key grinding station, like that part of the store. Uh-huh. And I'm like, hey, I'm I just because it wasn't a full piece. It was like shorter than all the other pieces on, on the rack. So I knew it was an off cut. And I'm like, hey, I can't we can't find anybody. I just want to see if you can discount this. And and he did, but he's like he's like, Do you know do you know how much the original one is? And I'm like, No, I'm sorry, I have no idea. And there was no sticker on it. He gave it to me for like six dollars or something. And it was <laughs> it was probably like, you know, it was a thick piece of poplar, long poplar. It was probably something stupid, like fifty or sixty bucks originally. But he put like six bucks on it and I'm like, All right, we have to get out of here right now <laughs> before someone <laughs> figures out what just happened. <laughs> Oh, that's and awesome. do you know where that piece of poplar is now? Burn pit? Yes. It's taking it was taking up space for years. So now I'm like, you know what? This is gonna make a great s'more. <laughs> yeah. Good old poplar. Mm-hmm. So I know I was gonna ask you, um, what, what kind of power tools do you have? Like battery tools. Which brand is your preferred color? Um well, what I have and what I prefer are different, but I have um DeWalt. Okay. And um I will say that brand new they were amazing. Um because before that I had I had Ryobi, um, which served me pretty well. And then I got into the um DeWalt platform, 20 volt, um, just the drill and driver. Um I mean, really good. I really enjoyed them. Um the only problem is that the the batteries of all things started going. And hmm. right now the, the best batteries I have for those are knockoffs I got from Amazon. They're not even really? the original DeWalt's. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for that reason, like I, I've already decided I'm going um, rigid once those, once I finally decide to phase out the DeWalt, um, at least last I checked that rigid's got a pretty solid battery replacement gig thing going on. Um, yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but you know, so that's, that's where I will go unless I figure out rigid is no good anymore. Yeah, I I have uh, one rigid drill, and I remember I looked into their return policy because it's like a lifetime policy mm-hmm. or something. It's very very strict. They they put that front and center like, oh yeah, no questions asked. Um, I think there's a lot of questions. I mean, <laughs> someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you had to like have the original box and receipt or something. Like it was pretty strict. So I thought. It may maybe changed. I thought for the battery itself, it was pretty easy. Okay. But for the tool, like if you listen to, uh, um, we built a thing. So, so Drew, you know, he's a rigid guy. You can see it in his mm-hmm. strap. Yeah. I remember him telling, it was like multiple episodes where he's telling the story of getting something fixed. I think it was just this little, uh, um, trim router. And okay. basically you got to find a licensed rigid dude in your town uh-huh. and then he basically had to wait till he had a whole box of rigid tools that needed to be serviced before he could send them to rigid or whatever it was like this big ridiculous long thing so yeah if you go back a few episodes i don't know maybe six months i would say uh, yeah <laughs> drew's got I'll a great start. story on, on getting that. his rigid tools fixed <laughs> i'll look that up yeah I, that's why i kind of don't buy buy stuff for warranties anymore because i don't know just seems like you're you're gonna lose that one but yeah I, a, um, but not for your car though if you have the opportunity to get an extended warranty you should oh really i should is it bad that i hung up on her or that i used the yeah <laughs> that nice lady who was trying to help you yeah you should call her back oh okay i'll see if i can find her number um no i have um i have cobalt tools because I was trying to pick a battery platform and I decided to pick the worst platform. And so I went with cobalt. (laughs) No, at the time I was like trying to find like stuff that was good and I was doing all this research. I think that was my first problem. You should never research those things. And uh, at the time Lowe's was starting to take off with cobalt. They were, I was reading these articles from like press releases from Lowe's. They're like, yeah, we're going to go after Ryobi as far as number of tools on our platform. So I was like, okay, well, I, I think I'll just go with Cobalt because I think they're really good quality. They seem to be good quality and I'll get into that. Two years later, they bought Craftsman. 
Yeah. And they, the cobalt line is like, I think they don't even own it anymore. I think they gave it back to, I don't know, one of the other, one of the big tool companies or something. Whoever they still makes sell it. it. They still sell it, but I don't think it's owned by them. I don't, okay. I don't know. I think it's a weird thing, but you know, they're all in on, on craftsman now. So yeah. I'm left out in the cold with no good tools. Like they have nothing. Um, but I was looking at, uh, I hate saying this, but I was looking at Ryobi mm-hmm. and their new stuff like looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not junk. It's not top of the line, but I don't think it's, it's junk either. Um, yeah. It seems like it's definitely not what it used to be. Seems to feels seems like the, the playing field is starting to level out a lot and they're adding, they have a track saw now. Um, they just added a, a battery powered track saw. Hmm. Uh, they've got, all the nailers. That's really what I want. I want to get a um, a battery powered nailer. Okay, that's kind of how this all started. Because, well, sort of. I also sort of ruined my cobalt drill, but <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you try to drill through um, the wall in your basement with a the wrong kind of drill bit. Uh, okay. Anyways, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. But I really want these uh, pneumatic or battery powered nailers and Ryobi has all of the nailers, mm-hmm. but not everyone else has all the nailers and only Ryobi, Makita and Milwaukee have a pin nailer, which is really what I want. So I was thinking about getting the Ryobi pin nailer Okay, to start. Well, I think you're spot on there with as far as selection and they go far and wide on battery powered tools i think uh if you listen to uh mike montgomery and their podcast i remember him talking about it because i think i think he and ben are sponsored by ryobi okay but i think they i think they were serious maybe they're joking but they they were talking about like a a floating battery powered radio like you could throw this thing in your jacuzzi (laughs) but the same same batteries that your drill takes I wouldn't surprise me. And then We're, the hot glue gun and then the caulking gun and the, the all fan. that stuff. I'm like, hey, that stuff would be nice. And and a lot of that stuff, the other brands do have, but it's sometimes twice the cost. And some of those tools I would like to have available, but I don't know that I'll use them so much that I need, I don't know, whatever it is that makes Makita better. I, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Uh, write in if you think I'm wrong, but I <laughs> kind of thinking about buying some Ryobi tools, um, at least at least some of them, because I'm I used to be against mixing platforms, but then it's like, well, who cares? It's like it's not like I'm gonna grab the wrong battery. They're clearly the different color. Well, if you want twelve different chargers, then go ahead. You do that. <laughs> oh, there's certainly a finite limit. Um, so yeah, so I ruined my cobalt drill the other mm-hmm. day, the other week. Uh, my, I have a leaky basement. Uh, we have a old well, uh, it's called a shallow, shallow drilled well or something like that. I don't, I don't really understand, but basically that means the pump and everything is in the basement. And then they have these two rubber hoses going out through the foundation. And, uh, my house is in a swamp or what used to be a swamp that they turned into a subdivision. And so it's very wet here. And over the past, you know, 40, plus years, um, well, more than that, 60 years, um, those, the seals around that rubber hose has failed and water can come in. So when we get a lot of rain the next day after the rain, my basement will get a lot of water in it. So I got the bright idea. I'll get these giant auger bits and I'll just cut the rubber hoses off and then use the auger bits to drill them out really good and then pack it full of hydraulic cement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those rubber hoses are not standard size. I measured them, and I thought they'd be close enough, but uh, the auger bits I bought, which admittedly were for wood, um, but masonry auger bits were like hundreds of dollars, so Uh I went with the wood ones for 50 bucks each. I knew they'd be ruined, but it's cheaper than hiring a guy to fix my basement from the outside. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I was trying to drill these things out and there's some like pieces that fell out of my drill. Oh, really? I don't know where they came from. I've <laughs> looked, I've been looking. I, I think they came out of the chuck, the inside of the chuck. <laughs> nice. Um, but I don't know where they came from. And then 
the bit got stuck. So I tried reversing it and it spun. It almost ripped my arm off. Luckily, I had that extra uh, grip on on the drill because I knew that could happen. Um, but then it broke the chuck off the drill. Nice. So now, and it's like threaded on. So it's like Loctited or something. And uh, so I can't get it on tight enough. So now if you back anything out that has, you know, any amount of resistance, it will just spin the chuck right off. <laughs> so have you taken it back to Lowe's and say, hey, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Uh, yeah, maybe I should try that. But then I'll, have, uh, I'll just end up with another cobalt drill. Maybe I can get him to trade me for a craftsman. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Can you just give me the craftsman one? Maybe I'll just go craftsman for my next set of tools. They have a lot of tools. I returned to ShopVac one time with like no no box, no receipt, no, no anything. I, I it um it stopped working. Later I find out ShopVacs have a a um, thermal thermal breaker or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. the formal name. Basically, it's a fuse deep inside the um, motor, and if it gets too hot, it will sever basically. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one time use. It's not like your blender, which will you let it cool down, it'll run again. So, anyways, that's what had happened. And I took it in. No, I didn't even take it in. I just I went to the shop vac section because I was going to get a new one. And I'm like, hey, because I had it a few years, like it was way past warranty. And I said, hey, do you I have have one of these? And it just randomly stopped working. I don't know why. I said, do you, have you heard of this? Do you know what may, may be causing it? And the guy's like, you bought it here? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, bring it back. I was like, <laughs> okay. She's like, okay. <laughs> don't yell at me. I know. And so I brought brought it back. I said, the guy in tools told me to bring it back. <laughs> and they gave me a, like a swapped it out for a brand new one, um, hmm. which the same thing happened again. And I had replaced it a couple times, the uh, resistor or fuse. I think it's some kind of fuse, thermal fuse. Yeah. But it is a huge pain because you got to totally disassemble the top and actually disassemble a, a good bit of the, of the motor. Yeah, they're like placed the right under like the motor coils. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I got tired of doing that. Yeah, that's no fun. So I got a rigid. <laughs> that's what I have too. It's right back yeah. there. I use it for sucking water out of out of my basement. Oh, good. <laughs> Mine sucks pretty well too. Yeah, they should. I mean, if your vacuum doesn't suck, what do you? What's going on? <laughs> no, that must be mind? the thermal fuse. Got to be. That's the problem right there. But I have the the rigid. It's run, it's solid. I've probably ran it a good hour nonstop, you know, hooked up to the CNC. Uh-huh. And it's never had that problem. It gets hot, but it's never, never shut down. It's never caused a fire, thankfully. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I left my garage heater on all night the other day. Oh, my goodness. So, how bad is that? It's safe, apparently, because okay. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of scary, actually. I can't believe I did that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good about it because I've always just been nervous. Um, yeah, it's a it's a gas powered wall heater, so it's natural gas fed, unvented, and uh, so it works okay in the garage. But it kicks out a lot of moisture because there's no vent, and so I've always wondered like what happens if you leave it on for forever. And they says on the thing like. It has some sort of mechanism where if the oxygen gets too low, it will shut itself off. But hmm. I got to believe at that point, something bad is already happening. And exactly the the heater being on is not not the problem anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it may no. have started the problem, but it's turning itself off is not going yeah. to help matters. If there's not uh, enough oxygen in the room for it to mix with the gas to make a flame, that's bad. Yeah, it's bad, bad news, bad news. Um, But yeah, I ran all night and I had walked out there, walked that way before I went to bed to do something and then I got distracted. And then the next morning I'm drinking my coffee and I was thinking about like what I was going to do. I was like, okay, when I get home from work, I got to go in the garage, turn the heater on because it's been, uh (laughs) uh-oh. I ran out there and it was so muggy in my garage. Oh man. All my tools are going to be so rusty. (laughs) It was probably like Florida. Yeah, like Florida every day, pretty much. Uh-huh. Oh, it was, it was so muggy. <clears throat> well, but, shall we do some recommendations? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you go first. Because um, okay, you're listed first on the on the list here. 
So Jeremy Fielding, he's got an awesome channel. Um, maybe I should watch more of his stuff so I can speak intelligently about electricity. <laughs> but that guy um, knows pretty much everything, it seems. Yes. Yes, he does. And he's got a great series on how um, DC motors work and why they work and all this stuff. It's super cool. Um, oh, he did a recent video on um, um, perpetual motion machines. I guess like tons of people have been writing him. Uh, did you watch it? Uh, no, I just, he figured it out. <laughs> he did. Yes. Yes. Okay. It, you know, doesn't surprise me. That's what those bots were talking about was getting in on Jeremy Fielding's perpetual motion. Right. That's his pseudonym, pseudonym, uh, Mr. So, Barry Sidwell or whatever. He, uh, he basically, um, more or less disproves what everyone is trying to say will work. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's like the, the old idea of you stick a, a fan in front of a generator with blades on it and it should run forever. <laughs> Put a fan in front of a windmill, right? And you'll, but the windmill powers the fan. Right. Um, Anyways, that was a really good video, but he also kicked off a new channel called, uh, fathered engineering. I think is what it was. I've got it, uh, got the link, just not the title. So anyways, he's a dad, he's got kids. He's always talking about getting his kids in the shop and interested in things like this. And, um, so he's starting a new channel to talk about, um, fatherhood, but as an engineer, not necessarily like how an engineer would be a father, but you know just in his style, right? He's a problem solver. He likes to figure out how things work. And I think he's trying to use um, some of those same character traits and skills on, you know, just how to be an intentional father and things like that. So anyway, super cool, super happy for him. Um, I subscribed right away when he talked about on his regular channel, he was starting this new one, but um, yep. He's awesome. That's cool. Go check him out. Go check out both of his channels. Yeah, um, Tim Schmoyer from Video Creators, he has a podcast like that too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called the Business Family Something Something Podcast. Cool. Um, pretty loose. He just talks into a phone or something, but uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of fascinating. It's kind of how he applies business theory to running his family and family running theory to running his business. Cool. Kind of, kind of interesting. What do you got? All right. Well, um, Inspire Woodcraft, uh, he's been around for a while, but I've been noticing a lot of his videos lately are really short, like two to five minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's been inspiring <laughs> to me to make more shorter videos. Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of my videos have been fairly short recently. I mean, today's video is a little longer than average, but I've been thinking a lot about making shorter and shorter videos because obviously we have shorts, but it seems like there's still this area in between the long form, like 10 minute content and these 60 second videos where it just takes three minutes. It's short to the point, it takes three minutes. And so some of his stuff, actually all of his stuff is just great and to the point like that. Like he's got a little router jig he made or router trick, mm -hmm. but it's not one that would be, you could try to explain it in 60 seconds, but it, there's some, there'd be some pieces missing, mm -hmm. but instead he takes the time to do it right, but makes it a three minute video and doesn't burn seven more minutes of your life doing a whole project or something. Right. Just here's the trick. He's got a whole bunch of those now and he's been kicking them out. Um, seems like they're in batches. Like he's, taking out like three a week and then taking a little bit of time off and then a couple more. So definitely go check out Inspire Woodcraft. Yeah, I, I've been subscribed to him for a while. I, I really like his comparison videos mm -hmm. um, where he, you know, just looks at common tools like um, right, angle, right angle gauges or um, what's another one that he's done? Combination squares. Oh, yeah. He reviewed some, you know, different price levels of combination squares. Um, and that's what he does a lot like different price levels of a specific type of tool. And then, you know, it kind of walks you through like, well, here's the woodpecker's version and here's the cheap Amazon version. And let's mm -hmm. see, you know, how they compare, how they stack up. So yeah, it's yeah, good, good stuff. Guy. I mean, he did one the other day on uh, measuring drill bits. Apparently someone, he, he had done a trick, another short video where he used drill bits as spacers. He used them because mm -hmm. you could use the eighth inch drill bit and get very accurately use it as an eighth inch spacer. And someone pointed out 
I guess in their mind that the um, uh, the helical portion, the cutting portion of the drill bit and the shank are not the same size. And so he did a two minute and five second video on how um, all the drill bits that he's been able to find, they are in fact all the same size. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it seems silly, but it's also like, actually, yeah, that's a great video because, you know, even I would have seen that and been like, huh, I never thought about that and gone about my day. And, you know, maybe done things differently because I was under the assumption that, yeah, I didn't realize that drill bits had a different size shank than the other side. Right. But now his video, I'm like, right. No, I I know better. They are the same. That's how they're made. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that's pretty cool that he's been doing those videos. And it looks like they've been doing all uh, very well for him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the other one I got for you, um, just... Go check out Mark Rober's latest video about the piano that can speak English. Go check I've, that out. Yep, it's come up in my feed. I just haven't watched it yet. It is. It's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's Mark Rober, so yeah, he's every video he makes is the best. Yep. Cool, man. Episode twenty-one in the can. That's right, the garbage can. In the garbage can, right. Hey, if anyone has any uh, topics that you want us to discuss, shoot us a thing on Instagram. We'll add it to our list of of things that we probably don't need to talk about, but maybe you guys will have some good ideas. A list of things that we're not qualified to talk about? Exactly. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. And where can they find us on Instagram? They can go to Proper Tools Podcast, at Proper Tools Podcast, right there on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're also on the internets, propertoolspodcast.com. Uh, where else are we? Apple, Google, Anchor, Spotify, you name it. That's what I wrote right there. All those. Yeah, that would right, be man. great. I'd love to have more stuff to talk about. Exactly. So then send us all your ideas and maybe we'll make a podcast that you actually want to listen to. <laughs> we will do our best. <laughs> on that note. All right, man. See you later. See you. Who is a disaster with voiceover? (laughs) We made it through the intro, Sean. Welcome to episode 21. And that means this is a Fibonacci. Oh my goodness. Gotta warm up the lips.